Every human being is going to have to stand in the court of Jehovah. And we will be judged according to the laws of the kingdom. And anyone who is teaching people, they don't have to honor them teaching some rapture theology, some good old by and by. They don't know and understand what the Bible actually teach. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Jehovah blessed Noah and his sons and told them to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Jehovah also gave Noah and his sons permission to eat animal flesh. On the surface, it appears man can eat all beasts, but Jehovah had already made the distinction with Noah and his sons between the clean and unclean animals. Noah demonstrated this knowledge during his sacrifice to Jehovah by not offering any of the unclean animals as a sacrifice. Father established an everlasting covenant with creation that never again shall a flood destroy the earth. The rainbow is a sign from Jehovah reminding him and us of this everlasting covenant made in the days of Noah. Today's study title is An Everlasting Covenant. So, let's study. Okay, the everlasting covenant. We are in Genesis chapter number nine. And so I suspect that some of you all are there. Uh, Those of you not, you can join us in Genesis chapter nine as we're dealing with the everlasting covenant. And so I'm going to, uh, we're just going to go through each verse uh, by verse and do a little uh, expounding on each verse and then give you opportunities to ask questions when we're done. Verse one. And Elohim blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, this is the second time Father has instructed mankind to to do such and such. And so now that Noah and his sons, they have landed as we uh, talked about last week and the week before his father called them. Uh, to enter into the ark and as they have landed somewhere on Mount Ararat and they've waited for the time for the for the earth to dry up and they've now uh, begin to come out of the ark and the father uh, blessed them. And here in verse 1, he gives them specific instructions and that is to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. The word replenish here is used twice in the Bible. Now, there's another word, replenished, as in past tense, that is used five times, which is basically the same word, but there are two times that this word is used as instructions. It's used uh, as instruction to Mr. and Mrs. uh, Adam, and now it is being used as instruction to Noah. Now, one of the things that we have to deal with, and this is why during the discipleship training program, I encourage people to develop a library that consists of tools that they can search the scriptures with. And you want a biblical dictionary 
Because if you don't have a biblical dictionary, then you're going to use a dictionary that is in your language. And what happens here is when you use dictionaries that are not biblical dictionaries, you're going to get English translations if you're using an English dictionary instead of a Hebrew translation for a word that is used in English, but it's derived from a Hebrew word. And let me show you what I mean. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible says, And Elohim blessed them, and Elohim said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. And replenish the earth. Now, in the English, and there is a difference between the Hebrew and English definition, and, and because people have used English definition or English dictionaries to look up words, it has led many to the wrong interpretation. Because in the English, the, the word replenish means to fill again. It means to fill again. And so the use of the word in Genesis 1.28 gave many the impression that this was father starting over and that the earth was filled prior to the man and woman. And by using the word replenish, it means that they're now going to fill again. And so this is what has caused some people to conclude that there was life before Mr. and Mrs. Adam. Some even today suggest that Mr. and Mrs. Adam was one set of people and there was another set of people, which is the people that provided wives for the, descent, for, for the, the children of, of Adam and, and uh, Mrs. Adam. And so as you can see, simply by using the wrong tool, you end up with the wrong conclusion. And so dictionary.com talks about it, and Webster too, where to make full or complete again, as by supplying what is lacking or what was used up. And so they conclude that the instruction to um, Mr. and Mrs. Adam to replenish the earth was to fill up again. And one, uh, they could they use this particular verse in um, Genesis chapter 9 as an argument because in Genesis chapter 9, the earth was filled before. You see, it was filled before and it's the same word. So if, if, if the instruction here is to replenish because it was filled before, then the instruction then was to replenish because it was filled before. But the Hebrew word for replenish means to fill, simply. So the instruction of Mr. and Mrs. Adam, fill the earth. The instruction of Noah and his sons is fill the earth. Not fill it again, but fill the earth. This is your instruction. And so now, Father not only gives them instructions, but he gives the animals uh, instruction. And in that, we know that Father made the animals, the natural instinct given to them by Father is to fear man, is to fear. And you'll notice, especially, uh, um, I used to 
talk about how people would see a mouse and freak out. Big humans see a mouse and just go off the deep end. Now, they fail to realize that in every encounter with a mouse, that the mouse typically runs away. It never runs at them, but that doesn't stop them from freaking out. And the mouse is more afraid of you, <laughs> although it may not seem like you are, the mouse is more afraid of you than you of it, because the mouse is not freaking out. It's just running away. It's doing what animals were instructed or put in their, their DNA by the father. And so here's where he says, and the fear of you, Mr. and Mrs. Adam, or Mr. and Mrs. Noah, and, and Shem, Ham, Japheth, and your wives, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth. And you will notice that cats, dogs, birds, when you get too close, what do they do? They're gone. Now, in the wild, they may see what's going on, but typically, even in the wild, unless, of course, you got some wild animals that had eaten in a few days, <laughs> but they're going to see whether or not you are prey worthy to take out, and any fear of them will be smelled by them and they will respond appropriately. If you run away from them, then you're giving them a signal that you are afraid of them. And if they perceive that you get a good meal, then they may chase you. The experts tell you, you never turn your back on a wild animal. You never run from a wild animal, you see. And so father has put in the DNA of the beast the fear and dread of humans. This is natural. He put that in them. And upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fish of the sea, I've delivered into your hands. They are delivered into your hands. Your response to them will determine their response to you. And it doesn't matter. You stand your ground, you'll see that they do not and they have been um, instructed by the Almighty to be afraid of you. We've not been given the instruction to be afraid of the beasts. So when you operate in fear, you're not operating in the authority that has been given to you by the Almighty. Typically, animals try to avoid coming into contact with man their natural inclination is to run away or to hide from man. That's just natural. Every moving thing, verse 3, that liveth shall be meat for you. Now, what Father does here is he does something that is, that is interesting because he doesn't instruct. He simply states that every living thing shall be meat for you. Now, if I read this verse out of the context that it is in, meaning that you just can't start reading in Genesis chapter 9. 
There are things that have been said to Mr. Uh, Noah up to this point that now Noah is interpreting what is being said based on what has been instructed up to this point. And so when Noah hears every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things, Noah understand that there is a difference between clean and unclean. Because he has already been instructed as to clean and unclean as far as the, you know, bringing on the ark. And so Noah hears things different than how people today may read them if they simply are hearing a sermon from a preacher who are trying to justify eating anything. And so, Jehovah gave Noah and his sons permission to eat animal flesh. They understood the difference between the clean and unclean. On the surface, it appears man can eat all beasts, but Noah had already made the distinction, or Jehovah had already made the distinction with Noah and his sons between the clean animals and the unclean animals. And how? Noah demonstrated this knowledge during his sacrifice to Jehovah. Noah did not offer any of the unclean animal as a sacrifice. What did Noah do? Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. And Noah built an altar unto Jehovah and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So Noah knew the difference, and he demonstrated the difference by what he offered. Restrictions were animals with the life in them and animal blood. So Father is saying you can eat the clean beast, but there are some restrictions. You can't tear the beast apart and just eat it raw. You can't eat the beast with the life still in it. And then we know that he's going to give further instructions later to the people. But we also know that there were things that Father communicated to Noah during these times of preaching and teaching and preparation for the flood that is not necessarily revealed. It says in verse 4, But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. And so he's saying, you cannot eat the animal blood. You cannot eat the animal with the blood still in it. Animals were not allowed to take the life of a man, and a man was not allowed to take the life of another man, even his own life. And so in these verses, we see that Father is saying, that anybody who takes a life is going to be required of them. So if an animal kills a human being, that animal has to die. If a man kills a man, then that man's life will be required of him. What happens if someone takes their own life? See, if there is no resurrection, if there is no um, um, life after death, then that doesn't matter. How Father handles that particular situation, only they will know. 
I don't know what he's going to do to a person who commits suicide. I can't say. But I do know that there's something in this passage where he says that, verse 9, and surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of every man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whosoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of Elohim made he man. And so, next, man and beast were commanded to be fruitful and multiply abundantly in the earth. Now, in accordance to the previous verse, I'm, I'm not sure what it means that it's going to be required of them. But here's what I do know. The one who is requiring it of them is the Almighty. It's the same as him saying that, you know, I'm going to raise up a prophet and whoever doesn't honor the words that I put in that prophet's mouth is going to be required of them. It's an indication that Father is going to deal with these issues, that he's going to deal with these issues. And I know that in dealing with the issues because of the particular instructions for instance, again, in verse 6, whosoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. In other words, a life for a life. Now, Father is the one who is going to deal with these issues one way or another. Because, of course, we live in a society where some states say that we're going to honor this, other states say they're not. There's a process by which these laws are carried out in the court of law. But regardless to what man does on the earth, ultimately, Father is going to have the last say in all of these matters. So he says in verse 7, man and beast were commanded to be fruitful and multiply abundantly in the earth. Verse 7, and you be fruit, be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. So at this point, Father now begins to establish what we're going to later see is an everlasting covenant with creation. And an everlasting covenant, as we're going to see also, is a perpetual covenant. The term everlasting means that it has no end. It will not end until Father bring it to an end. And therefore, even today, even today, when we see the token of the covenant, we are reminded of what has taken place that Father established way back with uh, Noah and the companions on that boat. The word covenant is used seven times in this passage. The covenant is between Jehovah. Noah, Noah's sons and wives, their seed after them, and this is where it includes us. Every living creature that goes forth from the ark and the earth. So he makes the covenant with Noah. He makes a covenant with Noah's sons. He makes a covenant with Noah's wives, uh, uh, Noah's sons' wives. He makes a covenant with all of the beasts, with the cattle, with every creeping thing. And then he makes a covenant with the earth. So his, this, this earth is, 
is there's a covenant between Jehovah and the land we live in. And we see this covenant as we're going to go forward in, in, in reading in different uh, books of the Bible that the land at some point, Father seems to be more concerned about the land than the people. Because what does he do? He removed the people from the land because of what they have done in the land. He punishes them because of how they have disrespected him in his creation as far as the land is concerned. The very first act of murder, the blood of Abel cried out from the, from the earth. And so when man begins to spill man's blood in the earth, they defile the earth. When man doesn't let the land rest, they defile the earth. How man conduct himself with others in the earth determines what happens in the earth. And we're going to see that there's been so much that have created activity and actions of human beings that have created um, defilement that the earth is defiled which is why father is going to ultimately have to renew it so he makes these covenants in verse 8 and Elohim spake unto Noah and to his sons with him saying verse 9 and I behold and I behold I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. The word covenant buried, meaning an alliance, a pledge, and is used several ways over 264 times in the book. And he says, I'm making a covenant with you and with and your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you of the file. So I'm making a covenant with the fowl of the cattle, making a covenant with the cattle and of every beast of the earth with you. From all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. So when you see everything that's coming out of the ark, what you read is the covenant is made with everything and everyone in the ark. And the Bible here doesn't mention Noah's wife, nor does it mention Noah's son's wives. But what it says, every beast of the earth with you. And we are beast of the earth. Everything that was in the ark that goes out of the ark. You can look at it that way. Everything that was in the ark that, was, that came out of the ark, the covenant is made with them. Now, in discipleship class 50 th 52 through class 58, we cover the covenants that are in Scripture. And if you've gone through discipleship, you've seen that we spent all of these chapters specifically on the covenantal principle. And the Bible has many covenants. And we see from our time today, we are still looking at the rainbow as a sign. But we'll see here in a moment. The covenant promised by Jehovah did not require anything from man. 
This is one of those covenants that wasn't uh, where man had to agree to anything. This is a covenant that Father made unto himself concerning creation. All flesh, he says, will not be cut off anymore by waters of a flood. That's one tenet. Never shall a flood destroy the earth again. So these are two things that Father promised in the covenant that would not happen. That he will not cut off flesh anymore by water or flood and never shall a flood destroy the earth again. In verse 11, and I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And Elohim said, this is the token of the covenant, which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. And there's this word, perpetual generations. For perpetual generations. Now, he didn't say how many generations, but one thing we can see from what Yeshua say, heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or tittle of, of his commandments pass away. And what do we see? That the, that the token of the covenant that he makes then is still operational today. The token, the word is a sign. It means a signal, a distinguishing mark. In other words, there's a sign that is going to display itself that is a reminder to the Almighty and to the Creator of or the creation of the sign or the token of the covenant that He made that He will not destroy by flood. So it doesn't matter. Uh, I know that in the forecast here, over the last, over the next few several days, we have thunderstorms, and it could rain for forty days and forty nights. And no matter how much it rains, some places will be flooded. Some places, um, there may even be loss of life, and that's unfortunate. There will be loss of property, and, and that's unfortunate. There will be damage done, and that's unfortunate, especially for the people who have to now rebuild. But there's a promise in all of that. No matter how much flooding, no matter how much damage, no matter how, how much loss of life, there's a promise. No matter how much it rains, the whole earth will not flood again. That's a promise. Now, in the midst of that rain, it's like especially as the water begins to rise and people are in those areas, it's important for them to hold on to that promise. Otherwise, people will panic um, and, and lose hope and lose sight. But Father is promised. He says, I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and who? And the earth. So there's a covenant between him and the earth. And we know that the earth 
as we looked in the days of creation, is the dry land. It is the land. It doesn't include the sea. The sea is, you know, the, the, the land appeared in the midst of the water. The water was the sea. The sea was gathered. The dry land appeared. And that word earth is the land. So no matter how much it rains, all of the land, all of the earth will never be covered again like it was in the days of Noah. Anyone who has read Genesis knows what the rainbow stands for. The rainbow is not a sign for the LGBTQ plus community. Even though they've hijacked the sign, and for the last month, people have been wearing rainbow-colored material. And it is something that when people see today, many see it as the LGBTQ. And interesting, there's a plus. Now, it started out with the LGBT, then it became the LGBTQ, and now it's got some pluses because there's a couple of other um, identities. And the plus means that it will probably expand further than what it is now because there's so much confusion. Identities have been confused. And when people stop looking to the creator who made it very clear concerning identity in the earth, that everything that made it was to reproduce. It was to reproduce. And anything that mates that cannot be, that cannot reproduce is a violation of creation. It's a violation of creation. There will never be a justification by man for this behavior in the earth that Jehovah has made. See, the earth is his. And they, everything that dwells in it belongs to him. And so for people to take a sign from a covenant that has been made for all creation and to hijack that sign for a particular movement that is in violation of creation itself and then to be projected as something that the Almighty is approved. This is confusion. People are confusion or in confusion and they are pushing an agenda and since they're not able to reach old heads like myself, they're going after the children. And because society has already destroyed in many communities the commands, following the commands, this is what Christianity has, has heralded from its inception to separate itself from any responsibility to the commandments of Jehovah. 
In essence, brothers and sisters, Christianity is anti-Messiah. Which is one of the reasons why it adopted the identity of Christ and rejected the identity of Messiah. And then transliterated, took the definition of Messiah and simply just gave it to Christ. And so the Christ and Messiah is two different people. It's just that simple. Christ and Messiah is two different people. Individuals who follow Christ does not follow Messiah because Messiah advocated for the commands of the Almighty, was sent by the Almighty to call people to repentance back to Him. And so, Christianity has taken a different gospel to the world, and this gospel is a gospel without commands, a gospel without law, a lawless gospel. And it's unfortunate because in the end, the Christians and those who follow Christ are going to have an awakening that is not going to be pleasant. The fact is, is that you cannot dwell in his creation violating his commands without it being required of you. Every human being, and see, this is the thing that, um, that, that people are going to have to come to grips with, that every knee is going to bow. Every knee. Every person is going to have to face the judgment. And in a court of law, you have to have a rule of law in order to judge. The judgment is a court. The judgment is a court. It's a court. And you cannot go into any court with made-up rules. The rules are very clear. And the judge is the one who who is now responsible for upholding the rule of law. Secular worldly judges hold up the rule of law in community. And so every state has its own laws. Every city has its own laws. And you got judges in courts that are administering those laws within their courtroom. Every human being is going to have to Stand in the court of Jehovah. And we will be judged according to the laws of the kingdom. And anyone who is teaching people, they don't have to honor them, teaching some rapture theology, some good old by and by. They don't know and understand what the Bible actually teach. And just as people today will look at the rainbow and see that the rainbow is a reminder of the Almighty that was given in the day of Noah. Is an indication that the commands and covenants of Jehovah are still in effect. 
Verse 14, And it shall come to pass, when I bring a cloud of the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant. <clears throat> so Father has a reminder of the covenant, which is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. The covenant language concludes that the covenant was everlasting. Verse 16, and the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between Elohim and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. So that covenant father made way back then. This is long before Moses. This is before Abraham. This is with Noah and every creature that was on that boat. This is with mankind. This is a perpetual, everlasting covenant that has no end. And even today, we look for the rainbow. And so, Father is saying, this is an everlasting covenant. And then, verse, uh, the word there, everlasting, means that it's long duration, antiquity, fertility, Forever, ever, everlasting, evermore, perpetual. Verse 17, and Elohim said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. And so Father has made it very clear that this covenant is not just about Noah. It's not just about the inhabitants of that ark. It's a, it's, it's a covenant that is between all flesh that is upon the earth. That's man and beast, creeping things and the earth, the land itself. So Father today, even though he gave instructions on how to conduct the land in Israel, all of this is his land. The earth is his. The fullness thereof. They and all that dwell therein belongs to him. So we can't, we, we can create all the laws we want to govern ourselves. And that's fine. But the laws that man create to govern itself does not nullify the laws that father has given for creation. And as I've said continually and will continue to say, we are citizens in two kingdoms, the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven lives within us. So wherever we are, the kingdom resides. And that's what makes us ambassadors of the kingdom, spokespeople of the kingdom, that we are the voice of Yeshua in the earth, calling people back to Yehovah, just like he came to do preaching repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's the message. Noah preached it. <laughs> Abraham taught it. Moses preached it. The prophets preached it. All the prophets. Messiah preached it. The apostles preached it. We are to preach it.
Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.